of Video Game Logic. Today's episode was recorded on September the 17th, 2019. I'm your host, gaming psychologist, and with me, as always, the enviable and enlightened... The Caffeine Rage. On today's show, we will, of course, be discussing the games that we have played this week. A parliamentary committee recommends banning the loot box sales to children. Fallout 76's fridge pricing leaves fans cold. U.S. Gamer jailed over swatting death. The ESA proposes rebranding E3 2020 as Fan Media and Influencer Festival and leaked documents. We'll be talking about the all-new Steam library design. We will have our weekly community corner and a Steam weekly discovery queue. Timestamps will be in the show notes following their respective topics. Hello, Rach. Hello. How are you doing? Hey, that's usually what I ask. <laughs> I'm good. I decided to steal it. You did, you did well, see Well, I know that you ha- had an interesting weekend, so I thought I'd uh, lead it into you. I did have an interesting weekend. Uh, I didn't do anything I intended to do. Katie was sick, um, so my intent was to play Gears 4 this weekend, the entire story, or most of it, and then potentially by this coming weekend do Gears 5, but Katie was sick all weekend, so I was hanging out with my kid the whole time, and we got into No Man's Sky, so I'll be talking about that today. Um, that was fun. Then, uh, yesterday I was in uh, a car wreck, so that was not fun. Um, you know, I, I mentioned it on Discord, uh, anyone who was watching, we're okay. No, like, major injuries or anything, just some, uh, damage. We got rear-ended, just some damage, uh, to the back of the car. Um. So, wrecked him? Yeah. Damn near killed him? (laughs) Damn near killed him. (laughs) I honestly couldn't believe that we didn't do more damage to this lady's car. We had uh, dropped my car off at the shop. It was getting an airbag replacement for... My car had a recall on it. Uh, So we dropped it off to get the airbags replaced. Uh, Changed the sticker on the banana. Yes. And we were coming home. Um, Oh, for anyone who doesn't know, I drive a bright yellow Dodge Charger. Because of course you do. Because, of course, I do. So then we were coming home, and this lady rear-ends us. And my wife's car has got a uh, trailer hitch on the back of it. And I can't believe... I think that this lady's car, like, rode up on our car a little bit. Otherwise, oh, a little that trailer dry hitch, Yeah. Otherwise, that trailer hitch would have punched right through the middle of the front bumper on this car. It was a Cadillac CTSV um, for anyone who knows well, anything about Cadillac cars. TOA. Um, this lady was very unhappy, which I understand. She just, you know, rear-ended somebody. Um, she was nice enough. She was like a chain-smoking old lady. I think she smoked like five cigarettes while we were there, waiting on the cop and then the police report and everything. So, that was, uh, that. Uh, we wound up canceling community game night last night, um, just because that was, you know, car wreck, having to deal with all that stuff. So... We were getting everything checked out and taken care of, so that was uh, that was that yesterday. So it, it was more. I mean, my weekend was wasn't like terrible. It wasn't too interesting, I don't guess. But yesterday was. So we will be uh, seeing how that turns out over the next couple of weeks. Getting her car fixed. 
most of the damage I think is superficial. It like caved in the, uh, so my wife's car is a Chrysler Pacifica. It's like a little bitty, like crossover type SUV thing. It's got like a hatch on the back that pops up. Um, that's all caved in and smashed. So that'll have to be replaced. And then there's some damage to the bumper. And I'm, I've looked at it a couple of times. I'm pretty sure I'm not seeing things. I think it bent the trailer hitch down. So I don't know what they'll be doing to that. It could be an optical illusion because the bumper's damaged and kind of hanging a little low. So it might be just making it look like Go get the, the trailer level. hitch is bent. I could do that, actually. I could do that. Um, oh, so I'm the, the one that thought of the level? I honestly, I haven't thought too much about it. After we got home and like every, everything and everybody was okay, I just like went inside and I'm like, well, that's a problem that we'll have to deal with later because the, you know, the police report's filed. It'll take like three days before we can get that and send it off to insurance and let them do, do their thing and they'll fight and negotiate for six to eight years. And, you know, by the time they're ready to fix the car, it will have rusted away to dust. So, you know, that's a problem for another day. Uh, what about you? How was uh, how was your day, your weekend, well, your stuff? Well, my weekend was also very busy, but also didn't end up doing really what I wanted because ended up meeting someone. So I've been chatting with her for quite a while. So I've been distracted. Indeed, you have. Sorry, Indeed what? You have. Okay, so I show up late twice in a <laughs> row because I've been talking to her. Yes. And I will, I will just leave it at that. You can talk as much or as little as you want about that. Uh, I think I'll uh, keep a little bit to the chest for now. Fair uh, enough. But I did uh, get... Well, this is a game I've been working on for two weeks now, trying to get far enough to actually talk about it. Okay. Uh, it is Night Call. I'm having the Steam link in the show notes, but this is from the Xbox Game Pass. This is... Drawing a little bit of inspiration from uh, Papers, Please, uh, where you're doing a, a mundane job, but it throws a bit of a twist in it. Outside of that, mm-hmm. not really. Not as much as you probably would think. It's just it's a, a handy jumping off point. I absolutely love the art style. It has this really minimal, or well, not quite minimalist, but a uh, monotone, almost noir feel to it. Where you are a a cab driver and you are essentially being blackmailed into helping the police to solve what well, one of several crimes or several different stories which are essentially just different modes as far as I could tell uh, the one I'm doing is the Judd storyline so you were jumped uh, by this serial killer that's running around Paris mm-hmm. and the police are blackmailing you because you're there under an assumed name. They never actually say who you are or what you did, at least as far as I got. But it's implied that, you know, you did some bad shit uh, uh, from in the Middle East and you escaped as a refugee and you took an assumed name and you're a taxi driver now. So the essence of Night Call is a mixture of a taxi drive uh, driver simulator with visual novel and a light detective game so let's talk about the taxi first it's a pretty bare bones system where you're just trying to manage your time 
and your clients while still also trying to get some time in to investigate the crime that you're trying to solve. You're shown an over a uh, world map of Paris and you just go drop, you click drive, uh, pick up uh, your clients, uh, go to the various investigation scenes, but you also have to make sure that you uh, keep uh, gassed up and you, you, and this is also the sort of the business simulation aspect of it where you have to keep your job. So you have to do a certain number of clients to, in order to essentially not go bankrupt because if you go bankrupt, the cab uh, company fires you and then you're no use of the police and the uh, district attorney or the French version of it, uh, it wants someone to be prosecuted because this is five or six murders in a row uh, from this serial killer, at least in this particular story. So they would just throw you in jail because you know, they have to look uh, like they're doing something and hey, here's an, uh, someone under an assumed name. So it's pretty bare bones in that aspect but where the game really shines is it's essentially a visual novel or a series of visual novels so every client that you pick up is unique and there's a pool of about 50 of them that you can pull from and some of them are pretty serious stories uh there was one woman that uh had just dropped her uh lover off at the airport and uh, she was uh, uh, going to lose her. She uh, was there in Paris for a short time, essentially a uh, vacation fling. And uh, you have the option to talk to her to try to convince her to go back or just to let go of the past that, you know, it was just a, you know, a short time thing. Uh, I uh, actually talked her into going back to, uh, and dump, uh, emptying out her bank account and uh, chase after her uh, woman. Uh, and uh, there's no real right or wrong answers. It's more of a general choice and it kind of branches out. But the thing is, th that's kind of where it falls flat a little bit, is that there's only so much of a pool of passengers. So eventually you're going to start running into the same passengers over and over again if you start replaying this. And for a $20 game, you know, that's kind of a bad thing, right? Yeah. Uh, to be fair, you know, I'm playing on Game Pass, so that's a little different, but still. Uh, but then there's some wacky ones. There's some weird ones. Like, uh, at one point, you pull up and a cat gets into the cab. And, okay. And it has a, a piece of paper telling you to take it to the train station. And, uh, you know, you're taking it to the train station and you're having this one-sided conversation with this cat that's just sitting in the back seat staring at you. Uh, then, you know, as it gets out, you know, you're figuring out, oh, it's a stray. It's uh, trying, you know, trying to escape the city. and Or at least that particular version of the story. There may be different versions. And it gives you a big tip if you're uh, kind to it. And there's a lot of uh, little moral choice aspects of, you know, are you going to help out these particular uh, passengers or not? There are some more uh, serious ones, like there's a woman that gets into the cab, and she says, "I know you who you're not say. I know you're not who you say you are, uh, but I think we could work together. You see, I run a boarding house for battered women, and I need someone like you. If at any point you pick up someone that looks like they need some help, bring them to this address. Don't worry, we'll pay you." We need to take care of these women. 
Uh, you have no idea if she's actually telling the truth or not. And she also tells you if anybody ever asked you to take them directly there, you take them somewhere else. So it's a little bit ambiguous of if that's a legitimate business or a legitimate uh, you know, way station for uh, women uh, suffering domestic ba- uh, violence or if there's something seedier under the uh, you know, under uh, the scenes, you know, behind the scenes. And, and like I said, it's a really interesting game. It just feels like it's not done well enough for its price tag. Mm-hmm. So let's bring us to the third part, the detective story, which as you're doing everything, you have little bits of time where you could, uh, a client may uh, give you a bit of information. Uh, you may investigate a crime scene or investigate, uh, you know, someplace that gives you a, uh, some information. Uh, you may read the newspaper and notice something. But eventually, you'll see, uh, you know, you'll start pulling clues together. And at the end of each day, you put them all on the big board and you try to draw conclusions uh, from those clues based on one of five possible suspects. And I talked about a big twist before, and I was going to talk about this last week, but I didn't get a chance to, it was that uh, they... I had a very you know, prominent suspect, you know, one that was most of my clues were pointing to. Well, uh, the police called and they had the an alibi uh, that he couldn't have been it. So, damn it. I was thinking that there would be you know, something else, but no, it's just a, kind of a spoiler so that it wouldn't be the obvious one. But the thing is that all the clues are automatically connected to the different uh, suspects. So at the end of the storyline, it's just, you know, Okay, who do you think it is based off these clues? You don't have to bring any hard evidence, which I have to admit is a little bit disappointing. Uh, but, you know, then again, I like detective games, so, you know, it might just be, you know, it's not scratching my niche, you know? Yeah. If you like story games, and especially very short stories, you know, sub five minutes, I would say this is definitely worth a look on Game Pass. It's very hard to really recommend it anywhere else unless it goes on a deep discount because I'm just looking at this price on Steam and thinking, wow, no. No way in hell. I, there's a good reason why it's mixed reviews, and that's it. If this was a $10 game, I think it might be worth it. But then again, it's also uh, one of those things that it is a, a very subjective game. And Also, uh, something else that's a little weird is in the visual novel aspect of it. There's no way to really back up if you misread something or you you want to go check something because that's kind of a normal feature of visual novels is a text log. Mm-hmm. Well, there's none of that here. Uh, uh, you could set it to auto advance, but that feels like a sucker's bet unless you're you know just trying to skip a uh, client that you've already seen everything for. And really, all the difficulty levels are in this game is just how much uh, of a multiplier the different actions have on their money. So, you know, you keep a decent bankroll. Uh, you may spend a little bit on a newspaper every so often or to uh, buy a couple of clues. But, you know, nothing really uh, required just as long as you keep enough to keep your job. But I did like, you know, how varied the different stories were there were the silly there were the dark there were you know uh, there was a photojournalist that uh, was having trouble with her parents not want, them not wanting her to go 
Uh, so, you know, you say, uh, oh, we're coming up on a tunnel. <laughs> and she's able to hang up the phone and she thanks you. And, you know, it, it's a, a very wide gambit, which I really like. But it's not what the game tried to build itself for, which is disappointing. Right. It sounds interesting. This, I mean, this sounds like the type of game that's perfect for a service like Game Pass, because I don't think I would ever buy this, Mm -hmm. or at least I wouldn't buy it for anywhere close to the $20 asking price. But, you know, I would play it if it was part of a a larger service, like Game Pass, which I might. Yeah, I would say it's definitely worth a look. I'm not sure how the other uh, cases work out, if there's some sort of twist in them, or if it's the same thing. Oh, and it does have a very nice sort of cerebral uh, atmospheric uh, soundtrack that really fits in. It's it's one of those uh, soundtracks that you, you wouldn't really notice it until you know you really start thinking about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that is Night Call. I think that's about it for me. All right. Well, I have got three games, two of them much smaller. One of them, I don't know how long I'm going to talk about it. So, uh, the first two games are both mobile games. So, the first one on my list is Archero, or Archero. Um, This is a fun little top-down roguelite game. Um, It starts out, like, with a very simple story hook, like, the... The world has been taken over by evil, and a new hero needs to rise. And, like, the camera pans up, and it's like, Archero! And um, there's a single button that controls the game. You can see it on any of the screenshots. It's just a, like a little on-screen joystick, and you can you can touch the screen anywhere to make that pop up and wander, you know, use that to walk around. Um, whenever you move, you don't attack. Whenever you stop, if there's an enemy that's in range, you will attack them automatically. And so you just move to reposition yourself, avoid enemies, um, come into contact with them, and navigate the levels. It's pretty simple. There is some randomness to the levels. They're definitely not procedurally generated. Um, I have seen the same set of levels a couple of times, like recognized um, the, or the different tiles, I guess, is a better way to say it. Because most of the time, it's you can just see the entire thing on screen. Occasionally, you might have to scroll up or down, but the width never changes. Um, you, you play the game in uh, portrait mode, right? Vertical? Yeah. Uh, yeah, in portrait mode. Um, so you never have to go left or right, but sometimes you do have to go up or down um, to see the entire level. Um, so there's some randomness to the tile sets and there's some randomness to the enemies that pop up on the tile sets. Um, but I, I'm pretty sure it's not procedurally generated. Uh, you start out very basic. You only fire one arrow at a time. Um, but the more levels you go up, every few levels you get a power up. Uh, like there's a little creature that like gives you a power up and it's a, a choice of a couple of different ones. And then every time you level up your character during your run you get a new random ability as well and there's a list of like three or four that you can choose from but they're all random every time so some things that you would see um modifiers to your 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 damage output sometimes it's just straight attack increase sometimes you fire 
will fire two arrows or you will fire two arrows in like really quick succession or you'll fire arrows uh, diagonally uh, as well as just straight up or you can get fire arrows, poison arrows, you can get straight up health increases, you can get a shield, you can get these little like damage orbs that float around you and automatically attack enemies and you know so on and so forth throughout the entire run and you get through as many levels as you can, you die, and you earn a currency that uh, can be applied to level-ups that carry with you to, of course, make the next run a little better or go a little better for you. So you can get, like, permanent damage increases, permanent health increases, additional um, power-ups, like uh, you can get, like, a starting power-up, for example, or you can get bonus power-ups. Like, every five levels, you'll get two power-ups instead of just one. Things like that. Um, there's a few that I have not unlocked. Uh, the, the price for them goes up the more you unlock. So I've just been kind of working my way through them and seeing what all the different ones are. Um, you know, it has in-game ads and it's got, you know, an in-game cash shop. I mean, it's a mobile game. What do you expect? Right. But it honestly has not been too intrusive. I haven't seen a single ad while I've been playing, which is good. Some issues that I've ran into with this type of game is it's like every time you complete a stage, you get an ad. But in this, I've only seen ads when I've died um, and have been taken back to the menu. It'll show me an ad. And then sometimes whenever I go to start, I'll have I'll, an ad will pop up and then uh, my run will start and then I won't see another ad until I die. There could be a certain point if you get a really long run because um, it looks like there's achievements all the way through like hundreds of levels where that you would see ads in between. I'd imagine that every so often you'd still get an ad, but it's not like every single stage, which is good. Um, there are definitely certain power-ups that I have found that are better than others. Um, some of them are more situational. Some of them are more, use more useful all the time. Uh, generally, there are two different types of enemies, or no, three different types of enemies. There's a, a ranged enemy, um, and there's different variations of that, of course. Some will, like, lob grenades. Some shoot things at a straight line, so they also hit any terrain that uh, would block your shots as well. Um, some of them fire only diagonally. Bouncy projectiles. You're kind of sort of, I guess, bullet hell shmuppy kind of stuff. Uh, there's enemies that directly try and close in with you and attack uh, in close combat. And then there are also enemies that just kind of randomly move around the level. And if you hit them then they deal damage. So pretty straightforward, pretty fun. Um, I think there's some stuff on the store page about like cosmetics and different like hero skins. I haven't seen any of that. There's a whole section that I haven't unlocked that I think opens up when I hit level 20. I've gotten, or I'm sorry, when I get past level 20, I've gotten to level 20 a couple of times, but I keep getting killed by the second boss. The game controls pretty well. Um, you know, it's just really simple. Just one, sort of control one button it feels responsive it doesn't feel like weird or skewed or anything like sometimes how mobile games will and since you can tap the screen anywhere and have the joystick pop up um, it's never really in my view or blocking the screen which is good because that's another issue with a lot of mobile games that are like this that are a little more active uh, so you know it's a it's a pretty fun little game um, you know I played it for I think a couple hours in total new game launcher actually can tell me how long I've played games for. 
let me see. I have played it for one hour and 29 minutes. And as far as mobile games go, that's pretty good for me. Um, it's not often that I play mobile games for more than like 30 minutes and then just like, nah, this is enough and quit. So it's pretty good. Um, also update on Gears Pop. I have played that game for a total of nine hours and eight minutes. So that's something. I guess I really like Gears Pop. So, but yeah, if you like this type of game, um, it's definitely a pretty good one. No egregious or major, major issues that I have ran into so far. Second mobile game I played this week, Airline Manager Tycoon 2019. This game is really good, but if you don't like this type of thing, you would hate it. So it is a airline, you know, as it as it states, Airline Manager Tycoon game. Um, it's got two modes, Professional Mode and Tycoon Mode. Professional Mode is in real time. And then Tycoon Mode is... Um, time runs at like three point something times faster than real time. Oof. It's like the whole game passes in like seven or a day is seven hours um, in the accelerated version. So either way, it's a bit of a um, sort of come back and check on it type of game. Um, or no, sorry. It, the game runs at seven times normal time. I got that backwards. It, it's like every three hours and something is a, a day in game. Um, I'm playing it on professional mode um, because I actually wanted to try and play the game in real time. There's an old like Flash game that I played at one point in time that was this. It was like a, a real-time airline management game. And I used to play the shit out of that many years ago. And for some reason, I ju- it just popped up like I, you know, I had an itch to play this game or to play a game like that. And so I browsed around on... Uh, the Play Store a little bit and found this as a pretty highly rated game. Um, it's it's another freebie. There is um, you know an in-app purchases uh, and things of that nature. Um, occasionally an ad will pop up, although they are also very few and far between in this game. I think they're really trying to entice people to buy in. Um, the game has got three primary currencies. There is cash, research points. No, there's four currencies cash research points some kind of ticket system that i don't think you can buy the tickets um they're like little bonus things that you can get and spend on like a rotating shop of things like boosters and cash and aircraft and things and then there's um like credits which are uh the like the premium currency the game gives you like 150 credits to start and uh, i just spent all of that on research to give myself a boost starting out um but i mean the game operates i I suppose as close to real life as a mobile app could um you have to do things like uh purchase time and gates at uh different airports around the world it take thing it takes things like fuel and where like based on real you know sort of statistics and um information that's put out by these uh, airline, these airplane manufacturers into account. And so, you know, you, different planes have present different economic prospects to you based on fuel cost and size, distance that they're being flown. Airports are, have different ratings based on what aircraft they can handle 
Hey, my phone's on silent. <laughs> based on, I should say based on what size of aircraft that they can handle. Um, cause obviously you can't fly a, a Boeing 747 into a very tiny, like local airport. Well, but a lot of, uh, well, that's not true. You could do it once. You, okay. You could do it. It wouldn't go well for you. Um, <laughs> you know, that's not what it's designed for. You could in an emergency. So, you know, based on what, what you want to do, like, sure, you can drop your hub in the middle of, you know, one of the busiest cities in a country or an area, like for the United States, for my area, I could drop my hub or like create my hub airport in Atlanta. But that's one of the most fucking expensive airports to buy time at in the United States. And that reflects it. And it's like, well, do I want to dump my entire budget on having a really um, busy hub airport? Or do I want to take a more budget airlines approach and focus on smaller local airports and have multiple routes with smaller planes and things like that? And it makes a big difference in how you have to, to budget things. Like in a sense, you know, you do have a chance, like you're taking a gamble. You do have a chance of, of creating flights and things that, you know, fly into or out of a major hub airport that can rake you in tons of cash, but you're going to have to spend a lot of money up front and especially at the beginning of the game, when I didn't know exactly what I was doing, uh, I stand a good chance of fucking up and entering sort of a death spiral early on. So I, I played pretty conservatively. I went for European locations, um, various smaller airports in Germany, France, the UK, uh, a few other things. I have since expanded to have a couple of larger flights or, or longer flights. I fly to Northern Africa I fly to China, um, a few, you know, a few places like that that are a little bit farther out. And those routes do make more cash overall, but the planes are more expensive. They have more fuel costs. They have higher maintenance costs. So uh, I was pretty happy with my decision to hold off on investing in larger airlines. I don't think that the game has every airfield in the world. It seems a little crazy that it would do that, but there are hundreds of air airfields or airports from around the world that you can choose from in, you know, more than a hundred countries. Um, so there is a lot of variety in places and things to do. There are hundreds of aircraft accessible. Uh, all of the air, all of the aircraft, most of the, uh, all of the aircraft I have looked at can be purchased with just regular currency. Um, there are a few sort of special things like, uh, Concorde, you have to either purchase that from the shop with like 50,000 tickets or buy that with premium currency if you want to want to run the Concorde. Um, there's like the DC-4, I think it is, which was uh, a, a surplus aircraft from World War II that they converted into passenger planes. Um, and there's a few other things like that, sort of defunct or dead aircraft that are kind of iconic that most people would recognize um, that you have to purchase in some special way but all of your sort of standard boeing airbus embraer um cessna like you know if you can think of an aircraft a modern aircraft you you can just buy that in the game with money or you might have to research it and then buy it the research is a little weird some of it makes sense like you know through research you create better marketing strategies to increase ticket sales or 
you figure out cost saving tip things for maintenance or whatever. Like that makes sense. But then there's certain aircraft that you just can't get until you research that specific aircraft. And it's like, I'm not Boeing. What do I need to research specifically that like this Boeing thing? So that feels like something that's in there that sort of progress for progression for progression's sake to kind of slow you down and maybe encourage you to spend money and the premium shop. And that sucks. But with everything taking place in real time, the actual game, research is a little weird because I don't think they've adjusted the values for research. So most of the research that I'm doing is like, this will be researched in two or three hours. So I'm like, okay, well, I'm not coming back to check on the game for 12 hours because most of my flights aren't going to be done until then. So I can't see how they did and how much money I made and things like that. So that hasn't really been an issue for me. And that might just be specifically the way that I'm playing the game. Um, you can swap back and forth at will between um, professional and tycoon mode, but I've just kept it in professional the whole time. So treating it almost like an idle game? Sort of. Um, but it's it's been really enjoyable. Um, you know, it's got some weird mini games and a stupid shitty premium currency slot machine and all that jazz. But the way that I'm playing, this is not an excuse for it, but the way that I'm playing it basically makes that stuff irrelevant to me. Um, the yeah, only basically aspect- treating it almost like a houseplant. Yeah, almost. And it's been, it's been good. It's been fun. My airlines is VGL airways because I am unoriginal. Um, and I have to do VGL everything basically at this point in all of my stuff forevermore. But, uh, you know, come come fly on my virtual airline. The only aspect of the game I haven't gotten into is cargo um, transport, and that apparently is its own separate breed of things that it, the game is like recommending I don't get into yet because I don't have high enough turnover on my standard flights yet. Um, but let's see, there's some other company management stuff too that I haven't really talked about too much and I haven't really gotten into. I've let it auto set a lot of my ticket pricing, but you can fiddle with all that stuff. Um, you can auto set your flight schedules. Although I fiddle with that quite a bit to try and squeeze as many flights in as I can every day, you know, maximize that, that cash flow. Um, you can hire and fire people. You can hire contract workers. You can have different types of managers and executives that do certain things, I think it's got some bloat built into the game. If you hire way more people than you need, you start to run into like bureaucratic issues because there's some things that give you penalties if you hire more people. Um, you know, you have sort of staff morale to keep up with. You can do things like offer raises and benefits and um, you can do pay cuts. You can contract people's jobs out. It gets pretty deep in the weeds on some of the simulation stuff, which is nice to see in a, a free app. Game, yeah, this so. actually sounds quite a bit like my jam, you know? I'm actually uh, yeah. rather impressed with this. I was expecting it to be rather hollow. Yeah, honestly, I was worried it was going to be. And there could be a certain point in the game where it's just like, oh, like there's no more to do. Okay, well, this is boring. But I've been playing it for uh, several days now. <clears throat> Five or six days. Um, and still feel like there's stuff to do and discover. Again, that could be a nature of the way that I'm playing it, because uh, it's only been five or six days, whereas in most sort of business or tycoon games, you play them for five days, and you've got like ten years worth of time in-game, so mm-hmm. who knows how this could turn out. Um, I haven't had to pay back my loans yet. Um, the game gives you oh, like... Oh, just a- like real life? 
Just yeah. run that debt. The game gives you like half a billion dollars to start with, which is like, holy shit, half a billion. But air aircraft and airport, uh, airport uh, gates aren't cheap. So most of that money dried up really fast. And then it's like, hey, you know, you can borrow money, right? And I'm like, well, yeah, but I have to pay it back. Not right now that you don't. Yeah, not right now. So I wound up borrowing like another $100 million to stabilize a couple of things once I started figuring it out. And I'm like, okay, I'm not going to borrow any more money. My airline is either going to sink or swim based on my choices in setting all of this up now. So my projected in cash flow is is positive for the next or for the next few days that it like projects out for you. But um, it does adjust the demand at an airport on the various days. I don't know if it's pulling real travel data or if it's using some kind of simulation, but the demand will change at airports on any given day. So, you know, the routes aren't the same all the time. I've noticed that. Um, oh, and you can do things like customize your aircraft and you order them from the factory. Uh, so, I mean, it's got your flights can be set up to target economy, business or, or first class slash luxury travelers. And I'm running like a budget economy airline. So none of my planes have first class seating and they have very small business class sections. Um, and that affects the cost of your planes and the type of routes that you should probably run and things like that. So, um, that can play into how you're handling things as well because different air, you can run like a, a projection audit for demand for an airport and it will tell you how many passengers they expect on an average day to go through that is of economy type and then business type and then first class. So it's very interesting to see how all of that plays yeah, out. Yeah, Just how deep it is. This sounds like, uh, during the golden age of some of the uh, tycoon games. Yeah. Um, it honestly, one of my favorite parts of the whole game is there's a world map and you can just zoom in on the map and you can see your routes and, and representations of your planes. It's, I don't, I don't, have you ever been on a plane rage or no. flown? Okay. So in a lot of modern flight or modern planes there, you know, there's screens on the backs of every seat that you can watch and they have channels you can flip through. And one of the channels almost always is uh, you can see just your flight information. It's got a map with an image of your aircraft and of your flight path and things like airspeed and estimated arrival time and things like that. And you can just watch the plane go on the map. And that's, I always keep that up when I'm flying because you know, I'm not paying for the in-flight entertainment. That channel's free. I can just check it every so often. One of my favorite things to do is to just sit for like five minutes and watch all of the various flights on the map as they go across the map. <laughs> it's just really small, simple pleasure in life. That sort so, of, I'm here and I'm going that fast. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, unless the bottom falls out on this game at a certain point, which it might, sometimes these games are like, you know, they get you sucked in and then you hit like huge progression walls in some way or another. But in, unless that happens, I was pleasantly surprised with with this game. I actually got a notification a few, after we started recording that I've got some, my final aircraft that I ordered have just been delivered and I need to approve them for their flight plans. Yeah, you so. need to go sign off on that. Yeah. <laughs> but I'll do that uh, later. The, the FedEx guy's saying they're waiting with the package. <laughs> Yeah, 
I'll probably set up their flat plans before I go to bed. So it is a surprisingly deep and uh, well set up mobile game. So yeah, I may have to check that one out. It sounds like it's a lot deeper than Motorsport Manager is. Um, I haven't played the mobile version of Motorsport Manager, so I cannot attest to that. Um, So the last game I played this week is No Man's Sky. And in the show notes, uh, I've got Beyond after that, which is what the 2.0 update to the game is Well, it just seems like you can't get Beyond it. But um, (laughs) <laughs> um, so no, this will be the, I believe the third time I've talked about No Man's Sky in total. I talked about it at release cause I bought it at release. Um, in general, my feelings about it at that time were because of the type of gamer that I am, I enjoyed some of the time that I spent with it, but God, it was full of problems. The second time I played it was after, I believe the next update, which was like 1.2 or 1.3, something like that. And my general thoughts on it were like, Okay, they have fixed a whole bunch of shit. They've added a bunch of things that make this game a lot more interesting. Pretty solid. Might be worth looking into, even if this isn't typically your jam, because there's a lot more to offer now. Very general top-down thoughts on it at this point. I think that this is probably as close as they're going to be able to get to all the promises they made. It's got a, a ton of stuff in it. Jesus. Every complaint that I had has been addressed in some way or another. So, first of all, the biggest issue that I had with it, period, is performance. The game did not run well on AMD hardware. And I've got an AMD GPU in my machine, and, you know, God help us trying to run this game on an integrated GPU. Which they said that they've worked on that too, or and, and I, but I'm not going to mess with it to find out. Um, but they have done a, a ton of performance tweaks in general. They laid them all out in the huge patch notes for 2.0, but essentially they're not using, the, the biggest thing is they're not using OpenGL anymore. They switched it over to Vulkan, um, and it runs much better right out of the gate. The PC version also has a full proper options menu now with the multiple levels to all of the different options. So you can dial in your performance specifically. Um, but after dialing in the performance a bit, uh, I've not had any dips below 60. Um, the game tends to run for me at around 90 to a hundred, uh, frames per second. Um, I don't typically use V-Sync in games. I have experienced some screen tearing, particularly in, uh, space stations and on my freighter. So, I have experimented with V-Sync on or off. Um, it, with V-Sync on, the frame rate dips below 60 in places. With it off, it's never dips below 60. So I haven't decided exactly how I want to go with it there, but the screen tearing isn't bad enough that it's like hurting my eyes or anything and or like ruining the experience. So, you know, on that front, I just have to decide, you know, how I want to do it. But the game still looks excellent. I it, I don't know if they... Did things like any upgrades to like textures or anything like that. The game looks gorgeous. It's always looked gorgeous. Um, there are... It, it's not... So originally, and even into the next update, it was a lot of palette swaps when you, you know, for different planets and things. I, I have not experienced that as much. I started over a completely new playthrough just because I wanted to see the major differences in the game the lead up, the early game, how long it took to get to certain things. 
and I've explored quite a few planets, quite a few systems, and I haven't really felt like it's been palette swappy. Um, there are some things that I can see like, oh yeah, that's, you know, very closely generated and looking like that other thing over there. That is still an issue. I think that will always be an issue that they will never be able to fix. There's just only so much you can do with procedural generation within the limits that you have to confine it to. But for things in general, just like the general look and feel of planets and weather effects and things like that, I think they've done a lot to make it feel a lot less palette swappy. I've definitely felt like I've ran into a lot more interesting, unique planets and environments than I have in my previous playthroughs. Um, and I've got nearly 100 hours in this game at this point across all three iterations so far. So, I mean, it, it could be more extensive for sure based on the size of this game. But also, that's a shitload of time for sort of your average person to put into a game. Um, and I feel like I'm finding unique experiences. I'm finding a lot less broken shit. Um, in fact, I haven't found anything that has been like a buried building where an objective is in the ground inside the building or buildings that spawn without doors or things. Or you like just that. have I'm... to get the dig tool out. Oh, wait, wrong game. There is a dig tool, actually. Oh, but, I was thinking um, Astro Deer. Gotcha. Uh, it's the terrain manipulator tool, but I mean, you use it for digging and then building up terrain. But, um, you know, I haven't, I haven't experienced any of that. Um, there is stuff underground that you're supposed to find and sort of excavate, um, with some of the new missions and exploration things like artifacts and things like that that you dig up. Um, but anyways, the game feels a lot less buggy. Uh, it has crashed on me once since I've been playing it, which sucks. But, you know, there's lots of PC games that crash. It hasn't crashed copious amounts of times like it did in the early days. So as far as stability goes, much more stable overall. Um, a lot more unique. I feel like they fixed a lot of the bugs with it. Uh, no more weird graphical glitches, which I think that was because I was on AMD hardware and it just didn't agree with AMD hardware. But I haven't experienced any weird flickering or palette issues or textures being replaced or not loading. Like I haven't experienced any of that. Um, more unique experiences. Uh, I, I ran into something today I'd never seen before. I landed on a space station. Um, so the, well, so the way the up, the way that you upgrade your suit has changed since in previous games, the way that everything is upgraded is different and it's way better than previously used to. You had to find upgrades for your spacesuit on planets in these little like cargo drop pods. And now you can just, every time you go to a new system, a space station has the one you can just purchase it. Um, and then go on about your merry way. So you get more reliable, regular spacesuit upgrades. So every time I go to a system, the first thing I do is pop by the station, buy a spacesuit upgrade, see if there's any good missions on the board. Um, learn some new words from my alien buddies and then move on. I land at this space station and it's abandoned and broken down and covered in like this weird goo stuff. And I've never seen that before. And it was actually really creepy, like really atmospheric um, creepy. There weren't any monsters, no jump scares, nothing like that. But it just like felt ominous, which was nice. Um, I've, I had felt that a couple of times previously playing, like landing on a desolate planet with no atmosphere or with, like, lightning storms on it or something like that. Just, like, the eerie blackness and silence in space. 
And this felt a lot like, honestly, like I was in an alien, like I was in, in alien and the, the, the xenomorph was stalking me and it just didn't like come out to get me. That's what it felt like. And I was like, Oh fuck. I gotta, yeah, I gotta get out of here. Or some of the Alan Wake stuff. Yeah. Or, or some of the Alan Wake stuff. I was like, I got, I gotta get out of here. So I hightailed it back to my ship and I left. Um, I think there was actually some stuff I left on the station, but I don't like to be scared and it was making me scared. So I left. <laughs> Um, I, and I had never seen or experienced that before, so I don't know if that's brand new or if that's something that just has a low chance of finding and I actually stumbled across it, but that was an interesting new experience that the game gave me. Um, other changes that have happened, the entire progression system is completely different, but it's so much better. Um, in the initial game, it was just grindy as fuck. Everything was just grind, grind, grind. And it got really tedious really fast. By the time I... Or when I played it the second time, they had introduced this mission system where that you um, got some people who came to your base and they sort of... You progressed through a storyline and they gave you all of your base upgrades and parts and things for like your Exocraft, which are like a little rover. And those... that. That came in a few different varieties, but, you know, your rovers and things like that to build your base up. And that was less grindy, but still grindy. Now, um, there's this thing called, I think it's the Nexus Hub or the Atlas Hub, something like that. And um, you get it very early on. Uh, and you um, through that, you get access to all kinds of upgrades, whether you can just buy the upgrades for your base you do have to collect something called salvage material so there's still a little bit of a grind to it um and you know if you hate grinding at all it's probably too much grinding but you just collect them naturally through the course of exploration and then you go and you trade them in for your different base upgrades you can get the base upgrades in roughly any order you want there's different research trees where you can go down to get these upgrades but um you know, you can get things like the teleporter very early, which allows you to quickly, um, you know, teleport around from your base to other bases that you have or space stations. So it makes travel a lot easier. You can get that very early. You can get uh, various resource production things a lot earlier in the game. You can do things like harvest. Um, you can like collect gas out of certain atmospheres. You can mine minerals on deposits and things like that you can get up to all that stuff really fast this time um the building requirements to build all of these these things have been streamlined a lot and don't require as much like super specialist materials anymore so that it's much quicker and easier to build a base build a quick base and you can build and move on um an issue that the game had in its previous iteration was you kind of had to focus on well do i want to sit and build a base for 20 hours and get it right and then just leave it or do i want to explore and deal with a base later. So they, they've streamed like that process a lot. So it's much quicker and easier to build a base. Um, you can build smaller bases. You can build and tear down. Like it's much easier. You're fully refunded all of your resources whenever you tear down a base. So you don't really feel like you're losing anything if you just plop a settlement down somewhere. Um, acquiring sh multiple ships is much easier now. I mean, you could just buy them before. But there was some weird shenanigans involved with having multiple ships if you didn't have a freighter yet. And now you can have a small fleet of ships even if you don't have a freighter. The game just sort of like... You've got like an infinite pocket 
that all of this stuff goes in, and you can just summon any of it at will. So a lot more convenient with things like that. No more tedious wandering around and kind of breaking the game to do stuff. It's just like, well, it's in my interdimensional pocket. And the game kind of actually like explains that for some stuff. Um, the game has got actual story now. It's not just all lore and exploration. There are several story threads that the game lets you pull on. And one of the things they explain away is like, oh, uh, multiplayer stuff. Uh, yeah, all these universes have come together and we've got like an interdimensional pocket where this this base is, where that everyone can come hang out, like the Nexus area. And it's like, that's where your stuff goes. And you're like, oh, sweet, cool. So I can just put it in my interdimensional back pocket. Which put honestly, in hammer space. Yeah. Which honestly, it's a video game. Fucking yeah, I want an interdimensional back pocket, you know? So that's great. Um, and then uh, freighters. Freighters were a huge part of the game that were introduced. Uh, player-owned freighters, I should say. They were introduced early on, and they were a pain in the ass to get. And they were a pain in the ass to get in the second, the second time I played. And now you can get, as long as you're not picky, the game basically gives you a freighter fairly early on, within like the first 10 hours of gameplay which opens up a whole other world of possibilities. The freighter acts as a mobile base that you have where you can store up to six fighters on it. You've got an entire area inside where you can build, just like on your base, anything that you need, crafting, storage, um, like farming facilities to grow uh, different various plants or other materials. So tons and tons of stuff that you can do. There's a fleet system, which existed in the game last time, but it was buggy and broken as hell. And it actually works now, where that you can get other ships to be a part of your fleet, send them on missions, where that they can recover resources for you, earn you money, um, that sort of thing. And also, they've added tons of really new, or really cool, like, flavor text and dialogue, where that you can read, like, mission logs that your ships go on, can tell you what happened, um, like... You know, there'll be a log report. It's like, encountered pirates. They refused to stand down. Um, they tried to jam our targeting computers, so we put them on manual. Our crew members were very happy to blast them out of the sky. And then, like, it tells you, like, what they got from the salvage. Um, so that system is really good uh, now, it seems, and much less broken. Um, I haven't run into any problems with that at all. And all of this stuff is, like, given to you within, like, the first... 10 to 12 hours of your playthrough like you're introduced to all of these things really quickly the game doesn't spend 40 hours making you grind to get one of these things it's just like hey here's all this stuff go have fun in our playground you can learn more about the story if you want to or like one of the story things is basically like to to tell everyone to fuck off i'm gonna go do my own thing like there's three major story threads one of them is the artemis storyline and he's like a dude who is also a traveler like you who's trapped in the interdimensional pocket. And it's a, a way to get a bunch of lore and backstory and to get some equipment, some other equipment fairly early on, like some suit upgrades and stuff. There's the Atlas Path, which has always existed in the game, which is where you're tracking down these weird space monoliths that lead you towards the center of the galaxy. Um, and then there's these two dudes hanging out on the space station uh, or in the Nexus hub that are, they're not hippies, but they're like super fucking carefree. 
and it's they're just like, hey, you can go do whatever you want. Here's some coordinates to a cool thing if you want to go check that out or not. We don't care. And you can like just set that as your main path, and it just gives you a little marker to where the Atlas hub is in your system. And then you can go do whatever the fuck you want. So, multiplayer, I haven't experienced multiplayer yet. Aside from being in the hub, um, there's like usually 10 or 12 people running around in the hub. But there's no way to really grief or hurt other people. There's special missions that you can go on together, which I haven't even unlocked those yet. Uh, but I do see see people, you know, so-and-so is starting a mission in, in the Nexus hub. I haven't unlocked that yet, so I don't know how those work. Um, apparently, according to the patch notes, up to 32 people can play together on PC now uh, in the same localized space. So that's pretty cool. Um, but like I said, I haven't really done much with that yet. So, you know, it's weird to, to think about this. Like, No Man's Sky was generally a piece of shit in the beginning unless you really loved that type of game. And in the middle, it was pretty good, and I would f- could feel comfortable recommending it, but it still had some caveats. But now it's just a good fucking game. Like, it, you know, for all the shit we've given it over the years, they stuck with it, and they made it a good fucking game. And in the environment that exists today, where, the, where most games are full of loot boxes and microtransactions and bullshit, the fact that they've done three years of updates that don't that have not been DLCs or you know that they've not put microtransactions or slot machines or anything into this game they've just kept their heads down you know their noses to the grindstone and have worked really hard to make the initial game that they promised i got to give them credit for that you know anything could happen from this point on that could fuck all that up you know it's not like i'm giving them a pass and now if they do something shitty like i'm okay with it but where it stands it's a good game that I could easily recommend to anybody who likes exploration and crafting games or just sci-fi stuff in general. You want to go explore a cool world. Like, as long as it'll, you know, your PC meets the hardware requirements to play the game. Next time it's on sale, buy it. It's a good fucking game. Yeah, it's just so hard for me to really want to support it because of how it launched and all the... Sean Murray lies. I know, I know. That's being probably petty at this point. But, I mean, everybody you know. is, is you know, genuinely, like, you're, you, both you personally and the royal you of people, you know, you're uh, allowed to, to have your opinions and your view on it. And honestly, I can't fault you. Like, you get one first impression. And for a lot of people, they'll never give something a second chance. Like, that's just part of, you know, human nature or what you know whatever like just how a lot of people approach stuff i mean if it was at least broken that's one thing but the uh just the outright loss yeah yeah i mean you know like i said i can't fault you for that i i totally understand but you know if it shows up on subscription service i'll play it but that's about the only time yeah well i mean it's on xbox it might you never know but um you know any Anyone out there who's listening who has been on the fence about it previously or has never tried it before or somehow completely missed it when it launched, it's a good fucking game. It's got a a full, like, two thumbs up, double-fisted recommend from me at this point. And I uh, intend to keep playing it. 
I played the sh- the a shit ton of it with my kid this weekend. He's been able to play games a lot more, you know, as his coordination increases, and that definitely is is helping helping it out a little bit in my book. It's something I can do with my son, and we can enjoy our time together with it. But I mean, I've also played it probably a dozen hours on my own outside of that. So it's pulling me back in and I'm having a good time with it. And I'm probably going to keep playing it for the next few weeks. There's a high likelihood that it's going to wind up on the game club list or not the game club, the game night list um, in the next month or so. So it's a good game. It's a good game, y'all. I like it. And that wraps it up for all the games that I played this week that we, that we played this week. So, if you are ready, we can. Well, did do you the want news. to make some uh, tea? Uh, I've still got some tea okay. left. It's more lukewarm than hot, but it'll last me a little while longer. Um. So yeah, moving on to our first news topic of the night. This one is probably the big one. Uh, parliamentary committee recommends banning loot box sales to children. So this news story sort of dropped last week, but we held on to it to see what sort of developments were going to come out of it. Um, There was a committee in the UK investigating loot boxes, um, and they published their findings. The full finding, because it it did cover more than just loot boxes and video games. The entire um, investigation or report or whatever covers a lot of stuff. But the section that particular that pertains to loot boxes, you can go look that up. It's it's public and read through the whole thing if you want to. There is a decent amount of legalese in it. Um, but what it boils down to is that uh, they believe that loot boxes constitute gambling. And this is a case where that technology has outpaced the law. Um, and they're recommending that video games with loot box mechanics and them be treated like they are gambling which has opened up a whole can of shit oh yeah um i I know the esa has come out against this of course they have right yeah um, the, the church has gotten involved. <laughs> yeah. Which, who would have thought the church, right? Yeah. So this, this broke today. The church of England, um, has came out in, uh, in favor of the findings of the report, um, saying that, you know, they're basically using the think of the children argument, uh, as the centerpiece of their argument. And there's a full on statement you can read for them as well. Uh, I saw, Jim Sterling did a video on it today. I watched that on my lunch or when I ate lunch at work. Um, but essentially they're calling out, you know, gambling and the the use of using these gambling like mechanics and gambling imagery and, you know, things like that to pull on people's brains and talking about how vulnerable children are and that these companies, uh, I think it keeps calling them entities actually. Um, these entities, well, Considering, you know, uh, uh, in the U.S., uh, companies are people, right? Yeah. But how these entities are taking advantage of our children and our youths and how we should be doing something to protect them. Um, At one point, it says foreign entities, which are not governed by our laws or something like that. Like, in in reference to the U.K. um, 
and I guess any power that the church has from a legislative standpoint, any influence they have maybe is a better way to say that. You know, it's it's interesting to see that, but uh, basically Jesus hates loot boxes, guys. <laughs> There's the episode title, Jesus Hates Loot Boxes. Very clickbaity, but how could I not? Well, Jim Sterling didn't. Uh, yeah, I didn't resist it, right? Yeah. And I strive to emulate him as much as I can in my everyday life. Things shoved up my ass and all. So, thanks Satan for you? Thanks Satan for me. Hell yeah. Um, you know, I, we've, we've discussed this, I, I feel like at this point, ad nauseum. Like, what, what could happen with this? What could happen with that? We've seen a couple of countries come out and outright say, you know, they're gambling. Belgium has been the big example. Essentially, they don't allow that and games that are sold in Belgium either have to have the, those mechanics completely removed or not be sold in the country. And so we've seen various game publishers handle that in different ways. But uh, the UK, while generally being more sort of liberal-leaning than the States, for example, it is still, I think, a little more conservative overall than a lot of European nations uh, and for them to be saying this and to be making these recommendations and causing this much of a stir, I feel like the clock is ticking at this point on, on game companies and Europe as a whole is going to force them down uh, a regulatory path and there's not really anything they can do at this point. Like, I could be wrong. I don't see the future. But I think that's where this or is going. Or if you saw the future, I would imagine you'd have pulled some lottery numbers by now. That's very true. I am very lazy. I don't want to work. So the lottery would be one thing I would put effort into uh, seeing the future on. Yeah, but the interesting thing is how Brexit is going to play into this. Because, okay, this is limited to the UK, but... Uh, they can't really enter into the EU as a whole, can they? Because they're breaking away. They still can at this point, um, because they're still... Oh, right, they're still stalling, you know. We're up to the biannual stall again. I mean, I you know, I don't know all of the ins and outs. This is... I think I have slightly better than a layman's understanding, but I definitely am not a citizen of Great Britain or the UK or the EU, you know, there's a lot of nuance I could be missing and plenty of stuff that doesn't show up in my sort of daily news feed. But I believe they still have, you know, aside from making everyone else grumpy, you know, they've made everyone very, very grumpy with them, but they still have the full rights and and powers that be within the EU uh, until Brexit officially happens. And that was supposed to happen sometime in October, and I believe it's been pushed back again. So for the time being, they still have all of their ability to sort of present legislation and things like that. So I think that they could still do something about it at this point. And even if they can't, a lot of countries, other countries that are in the EU, that are still in the EU, I don't know the right way to say that, but a lot of other countries are, are moving forward with their own studies, their own legislation as well, so I think it's only a matter of time before this becomes sort of European wide. And at that point, you know, Europe as a whole is a massive market that I think is going to put enough pressure on them that it could enact 
global change. I don't know. Hard to say for sure, but I think that's where this is going at this point. I think it's too late to stop it. The only thing that they can do is try and get out in front of it one way or another, or try and figure out another way to steal people's money. Uh, Just switch the model and start all over again. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if that happened. And then, you know, this sort of air quotes arms race starts again. But, you know. Well, it also really comes down to just how they define these at the end. Because if they try to tie it just to a premium currency that is uh, pulling a uh, random uh, item, well, I'm just worried that they're going to end up hitting more than just loot boxes because, you know, law has to be very specific, but we've also seen that mobile games will be scummy as hell and try to get around uh, laws just through just very obtuse loot poles. So I'm just a little concerned about this, really. But yeah, I do think it's the... I agree with you that it is the death kill of loot boxes in general. But yeah. it's just, yo, I'm a little concerned about collateral damage and also how it ties into the uh, EU if you know, Brexit happens because you know, that, that's a whole nother kettle of fish because it's just crazy, huh? Yeah. The world we live in is fucking Looney Tunes. Oh, yeah. Um... And then the ESA's response, I don't think that this is in the article. I didn't see it anywhere, but I, I saw it today. I might try and find later a, a link for the show notes. But the ESA essentially, I mean, they you know, they disagreed heavily. And then they were citing things like uh, parental controls and like parental education and things. And th- this was in the Jim Sterling video, I think, is where I got this from. Um, and, and essentially, it's like, okay, sure, these are all things you can have in place with your kids, but... You know, if my kid is watching, like, a Disney movie, I don't have to worry about them trying to steal all of his money, all of my money, while he's actively watching. That's going to happen afterwards, when he's like, oh, I want all the toys connected to the thing. But he's not going to be able to, you know, reach into my wallet, get my credit card, and spend money on all of those things here and there. Or I have some sort of uh, loot box system where... If you pay in, you know, it'll reskin the cartoon. <laughs> yeah. You know, I don't have to worry about parental controls, you know, at that point. Like, the parental control is, hey, you said you want to watch a movie. Let's pick out a movie that is age-appropriate to you. And then, boom, he can watch this movie and I don't have to worry about it. But if I was to turn him loose with games, I'm, fortunately, you know, from my position, I'm obviously very educated in all of this stuff, you know, I've got a huge leg up, and so I could do that. I could navigate that, but I am not the typical parent in that respect. Most parents aren't going to know that, and if you have to have like a fucking course on how to make sure your kid doesn't recklessly spend money or risk uh, developing some type of addiction or addictive behavior. Or the stores have to put in some sort of budgeting system. Yeah, like that's too much. That is too much. That is not good. And that goes beyond just kids. But, you know, with the the children being their argument so much that they're focusing on, I can still shoot down your argument with just that one point, let alone all of the other predatory issues that go on with adults as well in this, you know, the psychological manipulation. So, 
that's what their whole defense cycled around was like, oh, education and parental controls and, you know, introducing well, things like a budget system. Well, the other thing is what what education they put out there, what information they put out there is useless because, well, at least, okay, I'm going to focus on the ESA because that's why I know in-game transactions is their label for loot boxes, for cosmetics, for DLC, for anything that is bought through the game. It is practically, well, no, it is useless, so no amount of education is going to help when your information is poor. So, <clears throat> their premise from the very get-go is flawed because the ESA is so indebted into loot boxes that they're trying to just hold on for as long as possible. Yeah. So, yeah. In, in this in this case, or maybe in more than just this case, but fuck the ESA. <laughs> fuck them. They deserve everything that they're going to get. And then some. I, I, I really will be shocked if we don't see regulation, especially should the administration change in the U.S. Uh, for, of the ESA, since that's the you know, North American version or the mm -hmm. American version. You mean the ESRB? Uh, ESRB, sorry. Where, well, the, the ESA is uh, running the ESRB. Or am I thinking wrong here? Uh, I don't know, actually. I'm pretty sure the ESA is an ESRB uh, privacy certified member, so they are part of it. <clears throat> so I'm going more after the you know the main organization than the ESRB because the ESRB is just worthless or, or yeah. practically worthless at this point. Ah. Uh, I really would be shocked if we don't see some sort of regulation coming in because you know, that's the big thing with the, the current administration is that they're anti-regulation no matter what, which is just asinine. Yes, it is. So I don't see it with this administration. I think as soon as we see an administration change, we're going to start seeing the movement in the U.S. at least. Yeah, I think we will too. Fuck the current administration, too. Fuck them. Well, uh, if you get paid enough, sure, but... <laughs> that is very true. Very true. Um, I'm feeling feisty. Yeah, really? I'm all, I'm all fired up. Well, let's cool it off, then. Alrighty. Um... I don't know why that was probably funnier than it should have been. Well, you started it, so I did. I wasn't thinking about the segue though. Fallout seventy six's fridge pricing leaves fans cold, and me oh, too, very cold. Fallout seventy six, the spoiled fish that keeps on stinking. Indeed, we did not make any sushi out of this. It's very gross. Yeah. Uh, th this was carp. Let's be perfectly honest here. So, Fallout 76. They uh, broke their promise again. How about that? Because the big thing was that they their cash shop was going to be cosmetic only, wasn't it? Yep. Cosmetic only. 
No buying power. No, no pay to win. Well, no pay to win. one of the things about a survival game is looting, gathering stuff. I think that's fair to say, right? Definitely. Well, they put in two things into Fallout 76 in this latest update where, yeah, a, a refrigerator that keeps food and drinks fresh for longer. Uh, reduces spoilage rate on food and drink by 50%. And it's a cash shop item only. I mean, just that alone. But also, they added in uh, robots that will allow you to collect stuff from around the, uh, your camp. Yep, a salvage bot. So, um, why? why? Why are people defending this still? I don't get this game. So, I understand... I understand those things being in the game if they were, like, items you could unlock or research towards or complete missions for. Because those would be good rewards to, like, help ease sort of the burden on busy work in the survival game. It makes sense their inclusion, but the fact that they're cash shop items only is like, well, yeah, this is just someone buying an advantage. And definitely goes against what they said previously. You know, you won't be able to essentially buy power. And that's what this is. And it's not direct power in terms of, like, buying a more powerful weapon, but it does completely upend the game balance for anyone who buys it and allows them to sort of do more with less and, uh, you know, save them time and effort and help keep their food around for longer. Also, the pricing on it is fucked up. I mean, you can just expect this from any anything anywhere. Yeah, especially anything that has a premium currency that you don't have a way to easily exchange. Right. Outside of so cash. you have to, so you have to buy like the the fridge is seven hundred atoms, and the salvage bot is five hundred atoms, and those don't directly correlate to any any specific price. Because of course so it's they like don't. You've you've got to spend more than what it would take to buy them, and then you have leftover premium currency yeah and then so, they uh in one of the recent updates cut back on the amount of free atoms you get uh, i have the game. no idea i'm pretty sure that i saw that somewhere so I, on top of you know being paid a win they've also reduced the amount of free paid currency i think the biggest thing that just shocks me is people that are still playing this game yeah God bless the the poor souls of the people who actually really enjoy it for whatever No, no I believe it's bless your little heart. Bless your heart. <laughs> uh, I'm just going through the comments, and I love somebody put one of their refrigerators on, a, on an armored horse. <laughs> oh. The, the days of the armored ho- of the horse armor. We were so naive back then. Yeah, we should, oh, people that called for the slippery slope. Yeah. Oh, they saw it, huh? They did. I was but a young lad who had no understanding of such things. I mean, technically, I did buy the horse armor because I got the uh, Game of the Year edition. Yeah, I did too. We're part of the problem. Yeah. I don't do that shit anymore. How old was I when Oblivion came out? You're about to make me feel ancient, aren't you? Uh, I am. I 
I was 15 when that game came out. Jared, get the fuck off my lawn. <laughs> oh, sorry. Uh, hang on. Jared, get the fuck off my lawn. Oh, I'll get my fuck <laughs> on your lawn. Wink. Uh, is that going to be think... a new thing, ASMR with rage? Possibly. <laughs> I think this was the first game that I ever bought expansion or DLC content for that was digital. I mean, I'm sure it existed before then, but I just remember, like, buying expansion. It was, you buy the disc, you'd buy the expansion disc, you'd have two <laughs> little cases for your favorite game, you'd install one, or you'd install them both on your PC, and everything would just be great. And with this one, you downloaded it. I remember Nexus mods having to play Whack-A-Mole with the uh, official DLC. People would keep uploading it over and over again. <laughs> mm-hmm. Because... It didn't really have any DRM on it. It was basically just a mod file. So people would uh, upload it, upload it again, <laughs> upload it under a slightly different name. <laughs> that was fun. Uh, oh, Nexus mods. Well, the Nexus mods are still around, but they're not, well, as relevant these days, I guess. Unless you're going back to an older game. No, there's plenty of games that they're still relevant for, though. Like, I mean, the things that I guess I'm most, or most people would probably know them for, would be the Bethesda titles, Fallouts, uh, Elder Scrolls, but they still have the best selection of mods for the X series of games, for Battletech, they have the best selection of mods. Um, What other games have I gotten mods from for there? I mean, I still go there, honestly. I did get mods uh, for Stardew. Yeah. Uh, Euro truck and American truck. Mm-hmm. So there's still plenty. There, I think there's still plenty relevant. I'm a uh, premium for life member. Ooh, fancy. On there. Yeah, I'm a freeloader. I was a freeloader for a long time, but I was like, yeah, I, I'll support. I'll give some money to Nexus. They oh. definitely have earned it from me over the years. Yeah, how much was the premium for life? It was not a lot, because um, I got bought into it. Oh, I don't know if it was early on. I bought into it several years ago. Uh, like a hundred bucks or something like that. I mean, you know, that could be a lot for somebody yeah. for sure. I'm not saying it's like oh, it's only a hundred bucks, but um, I mean that's uh, yeah, a, a decent size for a microtransaction, right? A hundred bucks. <laughs> Yeah. Let's see. So ad-free for life is only a few bucks. The premium for life... I don't think you can buy premium for life anymore. Can you? Yeah, you can't get premium for life anymore. Oh, yeah, you can. It's 50 bucks. Oh, they discount it. So maybe that's what I maybe that's what I paid for it. I honestly don't remember. It was years ago when I bought it. It could have been 100 bucks then, and then they've reduced the price over time. But, um, anyways, yeah. Premium for life. Woo, Nexus mods. Anyways, fuck Bethesda. <laughs> and fuck, fuck Fallout the, 76. And, fall, and fuck the ESEA and fuck the ESRB. Yeah. Um, oh, boy, we are uh, 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 getting people uh, riled up today. So, uh, hey, here's somebody else to fuck. U.S. gamer jailed over swatting death. 
Um, this isn't as much like a big news topic to talk about, but this is sort of the... Wrapping the bow on it. Yeah. So if you guys remember, uh, uh, nearly two years ago now, um, there was that person that was killed during the swatting incident um, where the, the police wound up shooting and killing a man on their porch. The two people who um, actually committed the swatting, which feels weird to say, I don't know if there's a better way to say it, uh, were in jail for a while. The first one was put away for, I think, 20 years um, earlier this year, and the second member was put in jail for, was it 15 years? I'm not looking at the article. Uh, I think he was jailed for 15 years. Uh, this one's 15 months. Uh, the, oh, 15 months. Uh, the one we're talking about now. This is the guy that ordered the SWAT. This is not the SWATer. This is the SWAT requester. Right. This is the one that lost a bet. Uh, but just the fact that swatting has been such a thing is just, well, it says one about, you know, just how idiotic it is, huh? But also just yeah. how crazy the police are with the, their military status, huh? Yeah, we've got a huge problem in America with the way. And boy, I probably uh, opened up a can of worms on that one. <laughs> yeah, it's a very interesting issue to talk about and we've talked about it before um you know systemic issues with the american way of life the american policing system um i don't personally i don't want to go down that road again (laughs) blanket statement i don't believe all police officers are bad people i think in the united states we've got a big issue with our gun culture which leads to a whole host of other problems in the way that police often respond to incidents that are much less prominent, if prominent at all, in many other parts of the world. If you want to have a more detailed conversation with me about this, I'd be more than happy to do so over on Discord or directly via Steam um, or on Twitter through DMs, or we could set up a Skype date for, you know, whatever would make you happy. Oh, yeah. Um, and we can discuss the nuances of this issue. I'm not opposed to talking about it, but yeah, I don't want to dive down this rabbit hole. At least tonight, right? Yeah, at least tonight on our video games podcast. Um, so there you go. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's not really a lot to say here other than just like, hey, this is sort of, you know, this chapter closed. There's always a chance for appeals and changes in legislation and you know etc etc but for now potentially forever this issue with these people in particular is done i hope it never happens again truthfully you know given the amount of people and incidents that that can happen it i hate to say this it probably will but i hope it doesn't and i hope that it doesn't become a common incident you know, rare tragedies or something that we can, I think, handle in life. But when it becomes more of a statistic, then that's much more of an issue in my mind. When it becomes so common that we don't even think about it. Yeah. Uh, what was it? Uh, a single death is a tragedy. A million, is a a million sti- deaths is, is a, a statistic. statistic. Yeah. Uh, Joseph Stalin. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he's not wrong, right? No, he's not wrong. Of course, that makes uh, for a portion of the uh, American public immediately dis- 
uh, count anything I would ever say because, you know, I quoted him. But at the same time, you're a communist. Well, no, they would uh, discount me anyway because of my political leaning. So fuck them. Yeah, fuck them. Fuck the ASA. Fuck Bethesda. And also it looks like this one woman's uh, wanting to fuck her Tetris game. Huh? What? Uh, I I scrolled down to the bottom of the article and it said, uh, if you want more offbeat things, and I'm sorry, I'm, what? (laughs) Uh, Mass student about to marry her Tetris game. That that feels uh, like an Onion article, doesn't it? A Florida math student is just months away from walking yeah, that, that down the aisle with the that, love of her life that, that has Tetris to, video game. That has to be the, uh, their onion articles, right? Please? <laughs> I, I, I know I I'm know. probably eating the onion here, but at the same time, reality is we're weird, so. Oh my god. No, the, uh, the, I can't pronounce this, this lady's name. First fell for her game in 2016, not long after losing I'm her first I'm going to love. say this is satire. Uh-huh. $160 Texas Instrument Inspire CX calculator called Pierre de Fermont after her favorite mathematician. Yeah, this has to be satire. <laughs> but still, it's fun. <laughs> the condition scientifically recognized as objectophilia sees people form close relationships with objects and experience a deep sense of reciprocation based on the belief that objects have souls. This is a real thing. <laughs> this article in particular could be bullshit. But this is a real thing. It's not something I've ever seen in therapy, but I talked about it, or not talked about it, I learned about it in school. It's fairly rare. Most people that do have it, experience it, fall into a very taboo category where it's like, I know that I'm not supposed to have relations with my houseplant, but damn it. So they keep it very private due to social ridicule. I'm, I'm getting a lot of hits with this name. I mean, this article itself could be bullshit, but this is a real thing. Yeah, I'm confused. I'm confused and scared. Welcome to the weird world. I just had, like, the Matrix. That scene in the, the first Matrix. Whoa. Welcome to the desert of the real. Whoa. <laughs> yeah, the Matrix is coming back. Everything old is new again. And shittier than before. And now I'm sounding like Jim. <laughs> so, speaking of fuck the ESA. Yeah. The ESA proposes rebranding E3 2020 as Fan Media and Influencer Festival in leaked documents. I'm pretty sure this is the ESA trying to fuck E3. Yeah. I mean, we've had conversations. I don't remember. I, sometimes it's hard to remember what we've talked about on air and mm-hmm. what we haven't. But you and I at least have talked about, is E3 going to be relevant in coming years due to the way that the changes in the show and how things are just being presented anyways in today's modern sort of rapid cycling news environment? And uh, this is just another thing that makes us think, yeah, it probably is going to be irrelevant in coming years. Yeah, especially if they uh, just kill it like this because it's true. I mean, it seems like what they're... The intention is for this is to take it from something that's more about big announcements and things like that and making it into more of a consumer show, something that feels a lot more like Comic-Con, where that there are like, you know, some big events that developers and creators go to put on, but it's more about getting people yeah, the communities. involved, the communities involved. 
I don't know if that's necessarily a bad thing. Yeah, but it doesn't it's a need good to thing take either. over E3. Yeah, but, you know, I, I don't... And also, I, honestly, I, you know, I'm, I'm always hesitant whenever they start bringing influencers in because nine times out of ten, I don't know who the fuck they are. Yeah, but there's a hundred million kids who do. That's the weird thing about influencers. Yeah. And just general culture, pop culture, as as we age. But all the kids know people and things. Well, as long as they don't know my lawn. What if they mow your lawn? Is that okay? Well, considering I you know, have someone else to mow my lawn. No. <laughs> Get the fuck off. So, I, honestly, I'm pretty personally indifferent about this. I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing, but EA, or not EA, I mean, yes. EA sucks too, but Fuck E3, EA. <laughs> E3 has been waning in um, relevancy over the last couple of years anyway. Well, I think they haven't exactly done themselves any favors, because... How many games have we seen that's been announced on the big stages in the last couple of years either come out as a disappointing title, see No Man's Sky, or just didn't come out at all, or has been delayed over and over and over again? I mean, there was that one dragon game, uh, Dragon Scale? Uh, from like the one two- that got canceled? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, from Platinum, I believe it was. Yeah, that game looked amazing. I'm very sad. Yeah, I mean that got canceled. And we, uh, uh, remember the uh, really happy woman that was at the Bethesda conference about the only uh, shining light at the Bethesda conference. No, I don't remember. Uh, she she was adorable. Was she the Asian lady? Yes. Yeah. She left the company. She's no longer no. Uh, part of that uh, project. Well, good for her. Yeah, she got away from Bethesda. Fuck Bethesda. Only a third Tetris game. Sign me up. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, it's just... Maybe this is a symptom here where they're seeing E3 becoming less and less relevant because they're just quite simply allowing it to decay to the point where, okay, well, most of these games are either not going to come out or come out in a disappointing state. Or they're going to be radically different, because that's the other thing, you know. The E3 trailer versus actual gameplay. Probably the most egregious example uh, I can think of off the top of my head is uh, you know, the original Watch Dogs. Just how different graphically that was. Um, Anthem. Anthem, yeah. Uh, see, 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 I, Anthem. see, I didn't uh, pay attention to Anthem at all. But then again, Anthem is also a weird case where... Uh, it wasn't a vertical slice of gameplay. It was a vertical slice of, okay, now make this game. According to everything I've heard from behind the scenes. Yeah. I don't, and maybe I'm, I'm misunderstanding what you mean when you say this, but it makes it, the way I'm taking what you're talking about is like, you know, you're saying things like, you know, they're... Uh, basically, they've uh, allowed it, it they've uh, basically let it decay, where it... It's ripe for some sort of change, but they're trying to take it into a more community-oriented show and really take away one of the main stages for 
smaller platforms because yes, it is focused on at least the announcements that's broad, uh, that's broadcast to yeah Microsoft, Sony, yeah you know, the big names, but what we don't see is you know, all the little booths or the you know, montages or the small studios that get brought up on stage by the big guys as a passion project. Yeah. So having a refocus but, on the uh, community uh, makes it so that PewDiePie is going to be there instead. Well, what it, oh, may, and maybe I'm just misunderstanding, but what I'm hearing you say is that the ESA somehow controls those things. And I, I mean, uh, for uh, everything uh, that the ESA like fucking yeah, sucks about, yeah, I mean, true. they don't run all of these companies that are making all these disappointing games. Yeah, but they also set the guidelines for the presentations. Yeah, they. Uh, I'm probably saying it wrongly, but they've had a very hands-off approach and allowed the companies to just run rampant. Does that make more sense? Yeah, that makes sense. Because honestly, it should never be yo know, uh, the joke of the ES or uh, the uh, E3 version, right? Yeah. Okay. That's, That's what fair. I was trying to say. It was that they've had two hands off of approach, and game companies will be shitty if they uh, have a chance to. That's what I was trying to say. Gotcha. Yeah, that wasn't. And I mean, that also could have just been me, but that wasn't coming across the first time you explained it. But I, I, I see. I understand mm-hmm. now. And yeah, that makes sense. I agree. Uh, and uh, Actually, the idea itself of a community-focused event uh, like this isn't bad in of itself. Okay, they need to workshop the name. I think that's fair, right? Yeah. But make it something separate. You know? Yeah, they could do two separate events. That's a lot of work, though. Well, it doesn't have to be around the time of uh, E3, either. Yeah, they're, they are pretty fucking lazy, though. Yeah, I mean, they make you look like uh, yeah, you're on your uh, game, huh? I know, they do. They really do. I've not uh, released thousands of people's information online. Um, <laughs> Via a... <laughs> A uh, spreadsheet, uh, a, a, yeah, an Excel, uh, an Excel spreadsheet was it? I th- I believe so. That was just yeah, there on the server. the The forum was just dumping into it. I mean, that's that's an amazing amount of laziness. I would applaud that, but I'm too lazy. <laughs> nice. I would say more, but I'm too lazy. Also. Or how about um, uh, we talk about somebody that hasn't been lazy? Yeah, let's talk a little bit about Steam with the their new Steam library updates. We mentioned this last week um, that it was going to be coming. It launched into <clears throat> excuse me beta today. Yeah, open um, beta. Open beta today, and uh, I have been playing around with it a little bit. Yeah, I played around with it some. I'm still on the. You know, getting used to it phase because uh, let's just put it this way when I had to load everything that initial time it was laggy as fuck because <laughs> I had to load in all the icons and everything else but it does appear that it has a local cache for icons 
So getting over that initial hump is a lot better. Yeah. Um, I had quite a few things last week that I talked about that I was a little like, I mean, it, it looks okay, but depending on how they do this or that, it could be good or it could be garbage. I really like it. Um, I like the way that it's laid out. I like the way that the sort of tiles are set up and how you can customize those by using different lists you've already set up or you can create new ones. Um, I, the look of, like a lot of these features already existed in the previous one. Things like being able to go through the, the different types or, you know, you could go through recent games, installed only games, things like that. But it was like a little drop down menu and sometimes it didn't always work right. It wouldn't populate correctly or it would freeze up. And I don't know if that's just because of library sizes or what. Or it'll just, but now it's just accidentally delete all the uh, libraries. Yes, and then everything would be just stuck back in just a whole games list. But now you've just got uh, a couple of simple buttons that you can toggle on and off for recent games, um, for only installed games, or for all of your games. Um, you can switch the views up in a couple different ways. There's like a home screen that has got like recent news from games that you've played, your recent games by default, and then your various uh, like a games list which you can add to and customize those as you as you want. Um, and then uh, over on the list of games that you have, people who are playing games, they, uh, they have little icons, little like the green Steam friend icon that pops up beside them. So for example, right now, Jim is playing No Man's Sky, surveying a planet. And I can just hover over the icon and it tells me what he's doing in the game. And I see he's playing No Man's Sky. And if I click on that, um, let's see, I'm, ju- I'm doing this right now. So no it doesn't lot. look like, like there's a way to directly join him, but clicking on any game... But may uh, pulls... just not be supported by that game. Oh, it might not. That That's a good point. Um, I've got some other people playing stuff. I can launch the game by right-clicking, although I think that... Is just for the game itself and doesn't quite have to do anything with the person. Um, oh, okay. All right, so here we go. So whenever you click on the game... So Jim playing No Man's Sky. I click on the No Man's Sky um, list item, and then it populates sort of the main view where the tiles were before with No Man's Sky, and it's got a bunch of stuff on there. But then I can see one friend playing the game right now. I can right-click on that, and then I can click to join game. And it will launch the game, and I assume join him. Um, and scare the so ever-loving hell cool. out of him. <laughs> that's pretty cool how how that works. You can just jump into games more easily with your friends. Yeah, I do but find it, the uh, game page itself a bit cluttered. But then, I, but then again, oh, it may just be a personal thing. And also, some of the games I looked at probably just are more cluttered than others. Definitely, there's a difference between games. Because I'm just looking at some different games right now. So looking at No Man's, well, so, so looking at this in general, previously where that um, you would click on a, you could right click on a game um, and or click on a game and see some stuff about it and everything was kind of like just different buttons you could click on and go to those different things. Now you get like the game banner, big play button at the top, a couple of quick things. When you last played your total play time, your achievements, but you can click on the achievements and it'll take you directly to that. And then the store page, community hub, groups, discussions, guides, workshop, and support are all in this like sort of 
quick bar at the top. There's some options related to those things. You can manage like game details, lists about it, properties about the game. can get more information just by clicking on it, uh, the little information button. And then it tells you single player, multiplayer, publisher, developer, etc. You can scroll down a little bit and you can see recent activity for other players in the game. So I can see that September 14th, Jim got two achievements. And I can keep going and see other friends that got achievements. Um, it highlights recent community content, uh, recent Steam Workshop things. I really like the way that this is all laid out. I think in practice, I think it looks Yeah, I think it's good. just getting used to it for me because I didn't yeah. spend much time with it. Yeah. Uh, Some of this, too, could, is totally personal preference. Like, mm -hmm. if you don't like the way it's laid out, you know, fair enough. Like, that's a, a definitely a personal preference One thing, thing I did like is that they did incorporate some of the pressurizer into it so that you could set up a category list. Mm -hmm. And then it will automatically uh, propagate from that uh, category and also keep it updated. So the one I saw was, like, MMOs. Uh, it had a different name than my MMO uh, category. So... It would uh, show all the MMOs on my library and then add them to an active library. And then as I got new games that fit that tag, it would automatically sort them into that. So that was really nice. At least that's what it seemed like it was doing. I didn't go pick up another game. Yeah, I have not spent as much time with or spent any time with that aspect of it yet yeah i accidentally did I click on the uh, on a button and i didn't realize that i had turned on show installed games only so i was trying to figure out okay why is it showing like one tenth of my library at best yeah so one thing i don't like clicking or messing around with this a little bit now is uh clicking on the one for store page makes sense but clicking on the other things like community hub find groups discussion guides etc uh, it makes sense to it would make sense to me that you click on those things and it populates the space directly below yeah. it. But instead, it takes. Yeah, I you think to, that, I think this is part of the beta. Uh, at least I hope so because I thought the same thing. the The only one that it makes sense for is the store. It takes you to the store page, but I could also see like if you click on store, it populates below with store information too. Although I'm not sure how that would be helpful for games that are already in your library, but. You know, that, like I said, that one makes sense. But community hub, groups, discussions, guides, workshop, those should all populate underneath the bar at the top in sort of the activity feed or something like that, like that area. But that's the only real complaint that I see with it so far. Yeah, I think it's just the fact that, you know, still getting used to it and also the fact that it is, well, beta is beta, right? Yeah. So I think we may see some more uh, features add to, added to it, which would technically make it an alpha, but let's go with it. Uh, but I think it's a good start. It's just, you know, I'm, I haven't spent enough time to get used to it. Yeah. But it definitely, I think, I think it drew some influence from GOG Galaxy because it has a very similar tile out, uh, layout. And it also has the same problem GOG Galaxy does where a lot of games doesn't support that. <laughs> So you end up with uh, you know, some very messy tiles that you either have to mainly uh, fix or just deal with. 
I hope in time, and boy, I'm probably going to regret saying this, maybe have some sort of community-managed uh, project where the games that do not have up their artwork updated, they could uh, have new artwork. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's not, you know, a small thing and then, you know, a, a fuzzy effect that, you know, for some reason phones does that to make it look like a full screen uh, photo whenever or uh, video whenever it's just a very small sliver of it. Does anybody like that? Well, I guess they do because they, they use it, but still. I'm old. Get off my lawn. Old man. Um, I don't think if there's anything else that I see that I want to point out or discuss. But at this point, you know, having just played around with it for a little bit, I like the way it is. Um, and I suppose we'll see what other changes they make to it. Yeah, I have been toying around with GOG Galaxy as well some more. And they're doing some interesting things over there. Uh, they've included Xbox uh, Game Pass now into it. Oh, interesting. Uh, but it's uh, limited to uh, the games you've launched. So it doesn't add the entire thing. Which is an interesting way to do it. But yeah, yeah we're seeing uh, you know, a lot of refreshes on game libraries or game, uh, uh, game storefront design. So it'll be interesting to see just where they go with this. Yeah. I think some of that, a lot of that, is definitely down to Epic. Like, fuck Epic. And uh, everything fuck that Epic they in do. particular. Also, but this is prompting, you know, Steam to, to work on some of this stuff. You know, I know that they've had this in the works for a little bit. It's not like they just started yesterday or last week, you know, and this is what they've come up with so far. But... You know, it feels very much like, comp- you know, they're getting a little little competitive spirit back out of them to, to make sure to, to draw people back to this uh, Steam, anyone who might have left or mm-hmm. strayed, as it were. So, Stray from know. the path of Gaben. Blasphemers! Our Lord and Savior, Gaben. Our Lord and Savior. Oh, yeah. And Savory. Oh, yeah. So, with that out of the way, um, very quickly, Community Corner, I did not see any emails. Do uh, we have any tweets? No tweets. All right. Um, because of my incident in life, uh, we did not do Community Game Night this week, so next week will be Warframe. You have an extra week to... Make sure you get all of the updates, and if you need to refresh yourself, spend a few minutes or more doing that. But, uh, you know, everything should be on track for next week. To knock actually... on wood. Yeah, knock on wood. I don't have any wood here. So, let me tap my penis. Well, but, that's going to uh, be a very high-pitched sound. I was, I was gentle. Very gentle. Wink. Um, but yeah, that we'll get into that next week, so... You can go check out the list on Discord to get an idea of games coming down the pipeline for the next few weeks. Um, the list is in need of some updating, for sure, as we come near the end of what had been prepared or suggested when I first put the list up. Um, 
pretty sure I'm going to put No Man's Sky on there for a multiplayer night and that in one of the upcoming weeks. But we've still got quite a few weeks for the remainder of the year. Um, so please feel free to throw some suggestions our way. Uh, and where can they send those to? Well, you could email them to us at vglpodcast at gmail.com or just tweet them to us, vglpodcast on the Twitter. Indeed. So the last part of our show for the night, doobly-doo on over to that there discovery queue. Yes, which I'm already pasting a game into because of course course I am. you are. (laughs) Session skateboarding sim game. Okay, probably not a great uh, title for it, but this is an early access take on skate. A simulator esque uh, skating game. Sort of a uh, simcade. Requires a gamepad to play, but it actually is pretty impressive looking so far. There hasn't been a lot of skateboarding games on PC in general. Not counting the very old Tony Hawk games, which those are very old. So, yeah, it's interesting to see you know, a proper skateboarding game. And it looks it's like it's using it, a very similar font to skate. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder if this is the same studio. What's the studio uh, listed there? Creatures. I mean, they have a very, like, sim sandbox feel to them. That's why it looks interesting. Uh, it was developed by EA Black Box. The Escape was, initially. I suppose it's possible there could be some people from the studio. Possibly. That went on to there to do it. Yeah, right. I'm, I'm not sure, but... Uh, it, it looks uh, rather interesting so far. It's but it's really going to be how it shakes out in early access and uh, uh, between six to twelve months. So see you in two years. Awesome. Um, I don't, I don't have one yet. Really? I've got a lot of shitty garbage not worth mentioning games alright fine then so far uh, I, I wasn't you gonna go put this but uh, what the hell since you haven't gotten anything Daymare 1998 third person survival horror Daymare 1998 is a third person su- uh, uh, survival horror game that recreates the mood of iconic titles from the 90s with a fresh storyline I mean it looks rather impressive and it's not really rated at all, which is interesting. There's some very mixed stuff going on with it. But yeah, it, if you like your old survival horror third-person uh, games, well, there you go, right? Indeed. So I got one, finally. Uh, U-Factory. This is a factory management type game. You know, one of those where you put down all of your conveyor belts and oh, this, Yeah, this is becoming a fun genre, huh? Yeah, I, it, it is. I quite like this genre. Uh, it says it's inspired by real industrial methods. Um, so I don't know if that means there's something other at play other than just put the feeder line into the machine and then the exit line out of it. 
Um, I also think it it looks like it might be more of a puzzle game because it's talking about having levels down in the description of the game. Um, so it could be more puzzle than just sort of sandbox or career mode type thing. Seven unique scenarios, 25 objectives, 42 unique machines, different container belt types and materials. So maybe it, it does have a puzzle aspect or a challenge mode. So, yay, I had one. Yay. You only went through, what, half your queue? Ten games. Uh, okay, most of your queue. You may want to start a second one then, because I've barely yeah, started. Yeah, I, I intend on so, it. So, I got Fun with Ragdolls, the game. This is a sandbox uh, physics game, which could be interesting, with some sort of a uh, minigame scripting event uh, or uh, in it as well, from the looks of it. I was only able to really poke around on it, and it looks like it, most of the explanation is actually in the... Uh, well, the video. It's 13 bucks, though, so it's not terrible. It's interesting. There's been some uh, rather interesting uh, physics-based games out there, so uh, that's one of them. So I got one. This is going to be your game of the year, probably. Oh, boy. Aquaculture Land. Aquaculture Land is an aqua farming management game. In this game, you act as a businessman that runs a freshwater fish farm. You'll manage all things related to fisheries, raise your fish, produce some high-quality fish, and fulfill the needs of your customers to get benefits for your business. Oh, no. I mean, Stardew Valley is adding uh, fishing uh, pools, so... So... Hmm. Uh, I'm feeling conflicted, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it looks interesting. Yeah, it looks... Give it that. Yeah, it has a... It has a, a, you know, that sort of uh, low-rent farming game uh, feel to it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's interesting. So, I got one, Rebel Cops. Lead a ragtag squad of cops in rebellion against their town's new criminal power and see how long you can hold out in this unforgiving turn-based spin-off game from This is the Police. And so, hopefully, you know... Uh, they make it make a little bit more sense because I've had some problems with the uh, storylines on uh, this the police, but yeah, they are very interesting games, and it looks like it's using the tactics uh, segment from the second. This is the police, which was actually fairly deep. It's just it was annoying to try to deal with the management side of things because it didn't make much sense. So, yeah. So yeah, it, very interesting looking, uh, and it's pretty damn cheap as well. So that's probably worth a, at least a look, huh? I may have another one. Do you have one? What is? So yeah, I'm just reading this. Let me copy and paste the link. Constructor Plus. Um, Constructor Plus is the definitive building simulation for the modern day tycoon. Build your dream town full of crackpot, undesirables, businesses, and quirky tenants while fending off your rivals in the eagerly awaited sequel to Constructor HD. With almost three times more content, building just got bigger. Huh. It's a really interesting looking art style for like a city builder well this is uh, it just uh, looks no this looks like it's uh trying to ape the art style from the original yeah this is 90s era 
I have never played Constructor or Constructor I'm, HD I'm, or I'm whatever. Fam- I'm familiar with it. Okay. It looks neat. I like the idea of it. Well, I may have found your game of the year. Mass Builder. Or, sorry, M-A-S-S Builder. Commandeer, customize, and build your mechanical skeleton... Oh, sorry, your mechanical assault skeleton suit. Your mass. And lead the fight against alien invasions bent on exterminating the human race. It's a mecha game with a hell of a lot of customization from the looks of it. I love mecha and customization. Um, looking at the screenshots for this make gives me an armored core feel. Mm-hmm. Which is good if that's what they're trying to develop sort of a... Yeah, it looks like it's pretty fast-paced as well. And it looks like yeah. all the, or at least it looks like part of the weapons are modular, so you can uh, really customize things. I mean, there's a lot of depth that's uh, t- uh, teasing here. It is an early access, though, so, you know, that is something to look out for. And uh, it will be on early access till 2021. So I was joking about, you know, see you in a couple of years. Well, here we are, right? Yeah. But that's an interesting one. So, your game of the year? <laughs> Quite possibly. What is this? Kind words. I'm getting a link for you right now. Oh, wow. It's rare to see something on Mostly Negative. Uh, what? Is that a game that you just got? Uh, yeah, a game I got. It looks like it's inspired by Devil May Cry, but doesn't understand uh, a thing that makes it fun. So, we'll skip that. Gotcha. So, Kind Words, Lo-Fi Chill Beats to Write To. A game about writing lo- nice letters to real people. Write and receive encouraging letters in a cozy room. Trade stickers and listen to chill music. We're all in this together. Sometimes all you need yeah, are I've, a few kind words. I saw that on Steam, but I didn't look into it. I've actually seen a few apps on uh, Android that's similar to this idea. It's just kind of like a... Um... Just yeah, you know, send anonymous out anonymous confessions yeah. thing, or, or just send out messages and have someone to talk to. I like this. It all comes down to you know if there's a population behind it, or also you know does this tie into a mobile app? Yeah, I didn't see anything to mention a mobile, although I didn't look like really you know I didn't look closely or read the whole thing. Looks like it's Steam only. So, have you got another one? Because I've got one. Oh, uh, I had an interesting one, that, but you could go ahead again. NASCAR Heat 4. Oh, I just skipped over that. <laughs> I have been a big fan of NASCAR games in the past. I don't... This doesn't look super great in stills, in the still shots, but... Um, you know, I'd be down to play a NASCAR game if it was any good. But I mean, you know, it's it's NASCAR. If you're not, if you're somehow not familiar with NASCAR, perhaps as someone who's it's not all left American, turns. it's mostly left turns. There's a few tracks that have right turns, but yeah. Yeah, but those are preferred by liberals. Well, I am a liberal, so. So, I got an odd-looking one. Not a crawl. 
A stolen enigmatic machine is your only way out. It's likely to kill you, but so will the hostile planet you're escaping. Pull levers, hack machines, and puzzle out how to pilot the nautical to freedom in this unusual atmospheric adventure or die trying. This is a very interesting looking game. So you're essentially trying to figure out this really overly complex machine and escape. Mm -hmm. uh, very odd. I haven't seen anything quite like this. So, yeah. It looks like it's almost a VR game. But it doesn't look like it's VR only. So that's good at least. Has the developer made anything else? Okay, okay. Oh, that's the publisher that would help. Uh, developer. Uh, it looks like they haven't. It's just, it's going to the publisher. So, yeah. Uh, I, I'm a fan of whenever I see something unusual, and this is definitely one of them. Oh, I just got kind words. Yeah, my list is is done. My Well, my second list is done. So, huh? Well, uh, I got a remaster of an anime RPG, which there's. I think this is the sequel to another one. Nino Kuni: Wrath of the White Witch Remastered. Pretty sure this is a sequel to Nirokumi. Uh, yeah, it's talking about journeying back. So yeah. So, I would say probably best to go play the first one, but, yeah, this one's coming out. It's good to see, you know, I'm pretty sure this was a PlayStation exclusive. I mean, it's absolutely gorgeous looking. Yeah, I think Nino Kenny was originally a PlayStation exclusive. I don't think it is anymore now. Yeah, I think it's on Steam, so, yeah, it's good to see uh, the PlayStation exclusives finally make their way over. What in the hell is this? Uh, it looks like it's not very good that's what it is it has some severe problems so we'll skip it so that was the end of the discovery queue yep and mine also yeah I ended up just going through the one so yeah what were you hitting that was just causing you to skip everything a lot of those really really shitty like tile anime porn games. Okay, Jared, it's time you start looking at them. Just mark them as ignored. I do that. Mark them as ignored. Sure you do. They still show up. Sure you do. Sure they do. So I think we know uh, what's really happening here. The algorithm is working. Maybe. It's working maybe. for what you think it, uh, uh, it wants you to see. So... That does it for our discovery queue, which means, Rage, it's time for you to hit him with the socials. Well, I've been Caffeine Rage. You can find me on YouTube, Gaming with Caffeine Rage. You can find me on Twitter, Gaming with CR. Maybe someday on Twitch, Caffeine underscore Rage. And if you wish to be my friend on, well, Steam, you find me. Hey, how about that Caffeine Rage there as well? And you have been... Gaming Psychologist. You can find me on the YouTubes by searching for Gaming Psychologist. Find me on Twitter at JMA4707. And you can be friends with me on Steam at JArthur4707. 
And if you wish to let them know exactly what episode of the podcast you're coming from, the password for this week is confuzzle. Confuzzle. It's a good word. I had to go back to about a list of random words. There wasn't anything that jumped out outside like, fuck blank in particular. <laughs> Which is also a very good subreddit, by the way. I'm, fuck blank in particular? No, fuck you in particular. Oh. Yeah, I've not sent you that one. Oh, well, I know. I now know what the outro babble uh, is going to be. But, well, I should say after this one, because once again, uh, you can reach us at VGLpodcast at gmail.com with your letters, voicemails, game related topics, or just tweet them to us at VGLpodcast. Our lovely, lovely patrons have made this absolute madness possible. You can find out more at patreon.com slash VGLpodcast. And our lovely patrons have made, well, our Podbean account possible as well. VGLpodcast.podbean.com, which hosts the show notes, the RSS feed, Links to everything we do. But you can also find us on iTunes, Google Play, or your podcatcher of choice. Our intro and outro music is on the ground by Kevin McLeod and Dibbly Doo for the Discovery Queue is by the same artist. You can find all his work at incomputech.com and... As always, as his lovely music starts to roll across my voice. Bye-bye now. See you next time.